So there it was, a tradition being handed out. Uh, it's good to be here today. It's good to see everybody. For those of you that thought we were going to be gone, I'm sorry that you have to put up with us. But uh, we're here. Uh, we'll be gone next week. And, um, and we're continuing our sermon on the sounds of the season. And we're wrapping that sermon up. Um, uh, we're wrapping up this series on the sounds of the season. And I hope that you guys have enjoyed it as much as as I have enjoyed it. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year, and I really like, I don't do it very often, but I really like sermons where I reflect on songs that were, that were written about Scripture, and, and just kind of going back through how that all plays together, I really enjoy. Um, I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, most of all, uh, I pray that uh, maybe it brought some blessing to you and to your family this year, and that uh, helped us reflect at this time of the year. And if not, just know that Nathan's preaching next week, and so maybe you'll get something. He'll be bringing us a special lesson as we close out the end of the year, looking at challenges that we're going to face in the new year, uh, possibly reading the Bible, possibly doing some different things. But before we jump into that, maybe we should take a chance or a moment to look back on this last year. For some of us, this last year has been a good year. For others, it's been a great year. And yet, for some of us, this last year has been a challenging year. And for others of us, it's been the most impossible year that we've lived. Everybody's in a different place as we reflect on what's happened this last year in our lives, the lives of our kids, our spouses, our loved ones, uh, perhaps with our jobs, with our schooling, or with other things that are going on in the world that affect us. As we reflect on that, we're in different places, but I think there's one song at this time of the year that whenever I hear it, it doesn't matter at what place I'm at. Whether it's a good place, a great place, a bad place, or a not-so-good place. Whether I'm struggling with something or whether I'm joyous because of something. There's one song that really kind of pulls everything together for me. And that's the song I want to share with you today. The song is Joy to the World. I'm going to read the first couple of lines Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. Can you hear that song? Can you hear that song in your head? The song's an important song because it, it talks about the cessation of the groaning of creation. It talks about a creation that has been groaning and groaning and groaning, and now it stops. And it sings a new song. It cries out, this groaning is a cry out to be saved. And the song shares that groaning, that curse that has fallen on the earth. I've often thought, if I could sit still enough and quiet enough 
perhaps I could hear the groaning, the groaning and the torment that creation feels. Perhaps that's one of the reasons in my personality that I avoid silence at almost all costs because I don't really want to hear the groaning. I don't really want to experience the pain. All creation groans and mourns. We just have to listen. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 19, it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Romans 8 describes this post-fall, this this post-garden situation, this brokenness of mankind from the garden that affects everything. It affects everything around it, not just man. We tend to look at the fall of the garden and we think, wow, Adam and Eve really screwed up for mankind. They didn't screw up for mankind. They messed up for everything. It's because of this fall in the garden that we have the flood. It's because of this fall in the garden that we have death. It's because of this fall in the garden that we have sin. They broke it for everything. Creation moans. In this particular section of Scripture, the word creation is mentioned four times. It's repeated four times within those four verses. But probably more important is the verb groaning. It's the Greek word stenazos or stenazo. It actually only appears in the New Testament six times. And usually when it appears, Paul is using it in a form where he's talking about the apocalypse. He's talking about this groaning, this sin that has brought the world to its ultimate end. Creation moans all around us. Our own brokenness can be heard and seen in the world as well. One example of a creation lacking a flourishing and near extinction because of this brokenness that men suffer is simply to look at animals. In particular, if you look at one animal, in particular the northern white rhino. Theoretically, this species should be thriving, but the most cunning of all predators, humans, have poached it. They've almost obliterated the species. This particular one on your screen is Sedan, is his name. He is the last male white rhino in the world. He lived in a zoo for a long time where he was preserved. And then he was put on a game preserve in Africa where it was hopes that he would mate with the last two females that were on earth. They did not produce an heir. And in 2018, he passed away. There's no more male white rhinos left. Sidon lived most of his life in a zoo where he was protected, but 
but eventually he wasn't being flourished. He wasn't propagating, so we released him. And he didn't produce an heir. It's the end of this particular species of rhino. Can you hear creation crying out? Can you hear creation crying out because of the fall of man? But don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a hunter and I'm an avid hunter. But I don't support poaching. I don't support obliterating a species from the planet. This song, though, Joy to the World. Joy to the World, what, is it, what does Joy to the World have to do with creation crying out? Well, this creation that's crying out in Joy to the World, this cry out, this moaning, this groaning has come to an end. It's come to an end. And if we look at Revelation 22, we've been studying Revelations downstairs. If we look at Revelations 22, it's going to talk about how it comes to an end. And Revelations 22, verses 1 through 5, reveals this glorious explanation, this glorious sound. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God, the Lamb, will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. See, there's no more curse. There's no more darkness. There's no more toil. There's no more pain. There's no more mystery. There's no more sadness. It's removed. In the new heaven and the new earth, the world is verdant, illuminated with the presence of God. We don't have need for a sun. We don't have need for artificial lights. We don't have need for a lamp. The land is no longer cursed. And creation stops its groaning. In his book, The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis allegorizes the new heavens and earth calls them the new Narnia, right? New Narnia. He describes it as a place with unfolding wonder that one never tries, never tires of discovering and enjoying. The world is a shadow compared to the endless wonder of the new. He says, it was the unicorn who summed up what everyone else was feeling. He stamped his right forehoof on the ground and neighed and then cried. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all of my life, though I never knew it until now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Come further in. Come further in. Heaven and nature truly Sing a song. 
They sing a song of replenishment, a song of restoration, a song of healing. The land is cursed no more. There is joy. Finally, all death, all evil, all sin is forever banished, forever removed from our presence. The people and the animals and the new Narnia would spend eternity adventuring with one another in the presence of Aslan, going from place to place, exploring. Thaddeus, a third century church father who assisted in helping us understand Christology of the church, wrote this. Whence, by offering to death the body of him, body he himself took as an offering and sacrifice free from every stain, he forthwith obliterated death from all his peers by the offering of the equivalent. See, Jesus' death and his resurrection gives us a victory. It gives us the ultimate victory over death. His life is proof of a promise to us. It's a promise that, that this death and this sin will be obliterated. It will be, it will be completely removed. and We will have liberation. We will have freedom. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, Behold, starting in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. What shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, they then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our victory is in Jesus. It's in our version of Oslab, right? It's, it's in our Jesus, this child who comes in a manger who walks this earth and who gives up his life to save us. He has made this the truth. And now when it seems all hope is lost in times of dreariness, in times of pain, in times where creation cries out, the groaning stops and the world rejoices. In the Evangelical Commentary on the Bible by Mr. Elwell characterizes the time when groaning ceases in Revelation. He says it this way. The original paradise was lost because of sin and flaming angels flashed their swords to keep the first fallen humans from reaching the tree of life in the original garden of God. Now access to the tree is freely offered to anyone who wants it. Judgment is now lifted from the earth and the ancient curse removed. God's presence is forever within the city and His servants dwell secure. 
verse 4, fulfills Jesus' words in Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 8, and removes another aspect of the curse whereby no one was allowed to see God's face and live. His name is on their foreheads. It marks the believers out for God's own. And it secures the redemption. If we take a moment to let that marinate into our minds, we think about what that really means. When we encounter Jesus post-resurrection, we will be able to hug Him. We will be able to embrace Him. We will be able to hear Him smell him or to see him. We'll be able to laugh with him and cry with him and sit down at dinner with him. We'll be able to share food. One day, we will be like Jesus. And we will get to see him face to face. What kind of day would that be? Well, it has to be a day of great joy. A day where all creation stops groaning and a day where creation starts rejoicing. A day I long to see, my friends. A day you should long to see as well. Don't fall in love with this place, with this glimpse of heaven that we get to live in right now. Because it's just a glimpse. It's just a piece of what heaven is called to be. For when we see each other in heaven, that day will be something. That day will be full of joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Wonders of his love, wonders of his love.